Yeah, my thoughts are heavy today as well, and that was my mission. I was spent four months in Brussels, and I rode that metro dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So let's let our hearts and prayers go out to those sweet missionaries and their families and all the people of Belgium who are experiencing such heartache. Um, and the wonderful and the great news of the gospel is because of the atonement, everything that's happening in the world today will somehow be okay because of our love. Somehow it will all be all right. And somehow he will be with them and will stand with them. And I'm hoping today for um, the spirit of our Heavenly Father and his Son to be with us, that your burdens may be lighter today as we study this wonderful atonement. Um, I'm just going to give, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do the program today, and then we'll just go from there. Um, my sister, Michelle Higginson, who works with the Addiction and Recovery Mission, she's been a missionary there for what, three years now? Four years. She'll bear a testimony on the power of the atonement in these uh, people's lives that have struggled so much with an addiction. We will then have some Easter videos from the church, a wonderful montage of the Savior. Um, we'll then hear a testimony by Maria Evans. We've become kin sisters. Uh, her husband is struggling with a tumor as well in his head, and she's had a lot of heartache, but has been an amazing example of trust in the Son of God. Um, I am then going to talk about Gethsemane. And then that will be followed by a musical number by Teresa Heath, and she'll be accompanied by Leah Anderson. This is the Christ, my favorite song. And I appreciate her doing that. Then there will be a testimony by Tiff Rich if she comes. Tiff, is she here? Yes. I just sent you a text. Are you coming? Okay, sweet. Um, and she has a wonderful testimony on the power of the atonement in her family. Um, I'm going to then talk about the cross. Then we're going to watch a video called None Were With Him about what happened upon the cross. Then we'll have a musical number by Denise Williams. We've adopted her into our stake. And she will be singing, Who is He? I had it down on my other paper. Who is He? And she'll be accompanied by Betsy Nagel. We'll then have a testimony by one of my mentors and heroes, Galen Stevenson, whom I adore. The power of the Savior in her life has been so strong. I'll then talk about He is Risen the crowning event of the atonement. And uh, then we will hear a song that we always need to hear at Easter called the Via Dolorosa by Sandy Patty. I wish she were here. She's not. She doesn't know me. But we'll be hearing her as we, as we watch a little thing about the Savior. And then finally, God be thanked for the matchless gift of his divine son. And we'll start and go from there. Michelle. Oh, how I love the Savior. I've just seen what his atonement has done in my life. I'm just starting to understand the full implications of what the atonement is and how wonderful it can be if we let it into our life. As I serve at the jail now two times a week, I am amazed to see how the atonement can be in action in everyone's lives. Just last Wednesday, one of the prisoners who was there said, everyone, we need to be aware that this is the Passion Week coming up. This is when our Savior suffered for us. 
Then he went on to tell, he said, if not for the Savior, I would be in hell. I've done horrible things, but because of the Savior, I can live with my Heavenly Father again. And that's how it is for each one of us. Because of our Savior, we can live with our Heavenly Father again. He's done the hard part. He suffered for three to four hours in Gethsemane and then again on the cross. I wish all of you could see these men because they're truly letting the Savior into their lives. They do say one thing, and that is, we can't forget our Savior. They say often, many times, we leave the, when we leave this jail, we leave the Savior, because the Savior truly lives in this jail with us. He helps us every day. And I truly believe that if we let the Savior in our lives, into our hearts, He's done the hard part, and we can go and live with our Savior again. And I'm grateful for a kind and loving Heavenly Father who let our Savior suffer for us, for each one of us. He's done the hard part. We just have to let him in our heart and ask for his forgiveness. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our sins. Behold, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. And if I let him, if I love him, if I follow him, he can take away my sin my sorrows, my pain, forgive my past. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. My father and my mother, my sister, my grandparents, my family, they all shall be made alive. Jesus Christ, I found new life. I have found new life. In Jesus Christ, I have found new life. Hallelujah. 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 King of kings. Lord of lords. Friend of friends. And he shall reign forever. And he shall reign forever and ever.
in our hour of deepest sorrow, we can receive profound peace from the words of the angel that first Easter morning, he is not here, for he is risen. As one of his special witnesses on earth today, this glorious Easter Sunday, I declare that this is true in his sacred name, even the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Like Diane mentioned, um, four months ago, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and it came as a, a very big surprise to us. Uh, I'm sure as anybody can imagine, he was pretty, it's very healthy. And uh, one Monday morning, he woke up just feeling fine, went to work, and by three o'clock, he was having signs of acute brain trauma. And by 3:45, he called me and said, "I need to go to the hospital. Will you please come pick me up?" And uh, I felt pretty calm when, when uh, I got that call. I thought, okay, well, you know, there's no, there's no reason to get worked up yet. Uh, we have three little kids at home, so you certainly can't get too worked up just yet. But uh, as I got in the car and I started to drive to pick Matt up, I was alone, so I, I had a little bit more room to get a little more anxious. Um, and I, I realized I drove down 39th I really got very anxious, and I thought I really need to keep myself together. So I, I said a quick prayer. I don't remember what I said in my prayer. I know that I asked for uh, just focus and strength. And I just prayed that uh, we'd be able to figure this out. And uh, I had a very immediate and decisive response from our Heavenly Father. Uh, it was unequivocally everything is going to be okay. I've never felt an answer so immediate or so strong as I did in that moment. We still had a lot of fears and some concerns. As I picked up Matt, he was walking out of his office um, with some help from his father, who's his business partner. And uh, I asked him, how are you feeling about everything? And he said, I feel like everything's going to be okay, uh, but I'm still scared, and we were still scared. As we went to the hospital, and talked to the doctors, and they start telling you, you know, don't get too worried yet. It could be, you know, this or that, and there were some, you know, plenty of other options that it could have been, but when they came in and told me that he had a tumor, that it was very large, and that uh, we didn't really know anything else about it. Um, we were able to lean on that first response from our Heavenly Father, that very decisive answer, everything is going to be okay. The next morning, so I stayed the night at the hospital that night with Matt, we got very little sleep, and I woke up feeling like I needed to go home to our kids. They're very young, four, three, and two. And uh, so I thought I need to be at home when they wake up. So I left 
and I got home and I got my kids dressed and um, we ate some breakfast and I uh, I felt like you know every every week we try to or every day we try to do our scripture study with our kids which is usually a really big challenge they're very rambunctious little kids um, so we opened up our scriptures and started to where we had left off the morning before and I want to read to you what I read these are the very first words that I read in the scriptures that next morning from Mosiah 24 14 and I will ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders that even you cannot feel them upon your backs even while you are in bondage and this will I do that you may stand as witnesses for me hereafter and that you may know of a surety that I the Lord God do visit my people in their afflictions and then at the very end of verse 16 the voice of the Lord came unto them again, saying, Be of good comfort, for on the morrow I will deliver you out of bondage. Matt had surgery shortly thereafter, you know, just later that week. And then he started on the road to recovery. We've reviewed these, this whole chapter. Every word of this chapter was a message from our Heavenly Father to myself and my husband and my family that he's acutely aware of everything that we're going through, not just for us, but for everyone. And as we pondered those words over and over again over the last several weeks and months, I've been drawn to the words, I will deliver you out of bondage. And one particular day, the Holy Spirit testified to me that no matter what happens, we have already been delivered from bondage, from all bondage be it physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual bondage, our Savior came to this earth 2,000 years ago and paid the price for each one of us, for ourselves, for our children, for our loved ones, for all those people in Belgium who are hurting today, and all those parents who have fears for their children. He's already paid this price, and there is no more bondage that can hold any of us. I'm grateful for this experience that we had in our family, not, not so much that I welcome it, but because it has taught us so much that our Heavenly Father loves us. And uh, it is because of the atoning sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ that we can feel this love if we will reach out to him and ask for it. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I hope you know, sisters, that the atonement of Jesus Christ from everything that we've talked about in every book of scripture that you've been seeing over and over again, that the atoning sacrifice of the Son of God is the most important thing that's ever happened. And so the question is, I, I want to pose to myself and to all of us, you know, I guess the statement more than a question, it should be something then that we are talking about constantly in our homes. It should be something that constantly in our personal lives we are looking to. It is the only thing that will eventually heal and give hope and help us along our journey. You know, being a Mormon, that's what it all is. You know, somebody asks, what does it mean to be a Mormon? We have the most complete understanding of the atoning sacrifice that's on the planet. With the help of the Book of Mormon, with the help of modern-day prophets and apostles, sisters, we have a complete understanding. The whys, the hows, the what does it cover, we have it. 
And as all of you know, the atonement begins in the Garden of Gethsemane. There are three parts to the atonement, and that's where we want to go right now, the purifying power of Gethsemane. But I think we'd be remiss before we enter the garden unless we think about what the Savior did that last week of the Passion. As he enters Jerusalem, I think it's important to remember what he did. He spends two out of the, you know, three, two, three days in the temple teaching and healing. What else does he do? He spends it with those that he loves and that love him. But it's interesting, he enters Jerusalem on that Sunday with massive amounts of people welcoming him. And it's interesting, as he goes through the week, this circle of people surrounding him gets smaller and smaller and smaller until on that Thursday, Passover Thursday, he's there with his 12 very best friends. And what does he do? He gets on his knees and he washes their feet. He serves them and he loves them. How does he prepare for the atonement? He gets on his knees and washes the feet of his best friends. Then he blesses and he passes the sacrament. What a wonderful thing that we get to do each and every week. He did it right before he entered Gethsemane. And he sings a hymn. That's why we can't have a celebration of him unless we have music. And then he enters Gethsemane. And he says, makes the statement, for this cause came I into the world. And he enters. And we know from his own words that the intense pain was so intense that it says in the Doctrine and Covenants from his own lips, I trembled because of pain. And whose pain, you guys? Your pain. Right now. Whatever's heavy right now, whatever's hard right now, it is that pain, your pain right now, that he felt. And your pain was so heavy, he trembled. Your pain was so heavy, he bled from every pore. I want to read to you. You all have a paper, I think. If you don't, raise your hand. Someone will get you that. These are some of my favorite quotes of the atonement. The very first one was given by Neil Maxwell, my very favorite quote on the atonement. And if you'll read with me, he said, the more we study, pray, and ponder the awesome atonement, the more we are willing, do you need a paper or you're okay? The more we are willing to acknowledge that we are in his and the Father's hands. Let us ponder, therefore, these final things. When the unimaginable burden began to weigh upon the Christ, it confirmed his long-held and intellectually clear understanding as to what he must now do. In Gethsemane, with the suffering, Jesus began to be sore amazed, or in the Greek, awestruck, astonished. When the agony came in its fullness, it was so much more worse than even he with his unique intellect had ever imagined. The cumulative weight of all mortal sins, past, present, and future, pressed upon his perfect, sinless and sensitive soul. All of our, your infirmities and sicknesses were somehow too a part of the awful arithmetic of the atonement. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to thee. Take away this cup from me. His suffering was a cry of forsakenness. 
Even so, Jesus maintained his sublime submissiveness as he had in Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Indeed, we are in his hands. And what hallowed hands? The wondrous and glorious atonement was and is the central act in all of human history. It was the hinge on which all else that finally matters turned. And then right underneath it, Elder Holland said about this moment when the Savior cried out to his father. He said, in that most burdensome moment in all human history, with blood appearing at every pore and an anguished cry upon his lips, Christ sought him whom he had always sought, his father. Abba, he cried, Papa, or from the lips of a young child, Daddy. This is such a personal moment, it almost seems a sacrilege to cite it. A son in unrelieved pain, a father, his only true source of strength, both of them staying the course, making it through the night together. And as we know, Luke said in his wonderful epistle, that the pain was so intense that our Heavenly Father in all of his love sent an angel to strengthen him. Joyful cry 
I too can testify This is the Christ This is the Christ The Holy Son of God Our Savior, Lord, Redeemer of mankind This is the Christ The healer of our souls Who ransomed us With love Sorry, I was late. I couldn't get our printer to work, so I just have a short message, but <laughs> I have to use this. Um, so Diane and I have boys that are the same age, ages, and whenever we get together, it always we always end up talking about them and what they're going through and and how and their ups and downs and how we're we're right there with them going through the ups and downs and. Um, you know, growing up, I think I thought life was supposed to be fun and easy. And, and I'm still trying to, you know, get my mind wrapped around <laughs> how that's not just, that's not how life works. Like if, it, if things were going wrong or unexpected things coming along, I was thinking it was, I was doing something wrong. But after watching um, a sister, a brother, a niece and nephew struggle and go through such hard things. It, you realize that's just life. That you know, we really didn't expect that. I look at them and think, "Wow, I didn't expect that. That's not what was part of the plan <laughs> with our family." But. When life gets tough, I go to my favorite scripture in Isaiah. Um, and it's Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verses 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So, I always go to this scripture. <laughs> And um, I love this message. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So in Hebrew, the literal meaning of wait is to bind together like a cord, to twist or weave threads together or to form a rope. 
the more strands that are twisted and woven together in the rope, the greater its strength. And a single piece of string or, or rope can't, um, can't lift very much weight, but a piece of rope can lift hundreds of pounds because it is made of many strands. And when it pulls a load, it might stretch a little while it works. But as it stretches, the individual strands are pulled together to lift or pull the load. So rope strength comes, comes from the strands working together. Also, the, the figurative meaning of weight is to wait, to hope, to expect, you know, to have faith. So um, when we weave ourselves together with the Lord, our Savior, and with each other as believers in Christ, we can be strong and get through these tough times. And as I thought about this scripture that I love, and I thought this is, you know, we get, we believe in this and we have this hope all because of the Savior and the atonement. He has shown us the way to live and he has shown us the way to repent and to trust in our Heavenly Father. He has shown us the way to overcome our weaknesses and and get through the work through the hard times of life and we know that through living this gospel we that it leads to real happiness and I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ amen so from Gethsemane to the cross his circle gets smaller and smaller Peter James and John who came with him to Gethsemane they all fall asleep. Then one of his best friends, Judas, denies him. And then everyone runs. And with a rope around his neck, uh, he's led before Caiaphas, Herod, Pilate. Um, he's scourged 40 times with a whip that would have had inlaid glass and metal. He would have been stripped and then whipped crown of thorns would have been shoved on his head and then saddest part of all Peter his very best friend denies him and he's led to the cross this is all sisters a part of the awful arithmetic of the atonement that Elder Maxwell talks about great spites are nailed through his hands his wrists and his feet and he is hung on the cross it's so interesting, I think, that we should ponder this week those last seven statements that he says. Isn't it interesting to, to notice what would be the last words out of his mouth? You know what they are? They're words of, Father, forgive them. That's one of the last things that the Savior would have us know. He forgives. What is one of the other things? He comforts. One of the second things he does is he comforts the thieves with him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He makes sure his mom is taken care of. He's aware of those around him. And then just so we can realize that the atonement is not just for all of our sins and sicknesses, but it is for physical issues. So any of you struggling with physical pain and physical heartache, his words ring out, I thirst he knows and then the most important in my mind powerful words that he says Abba 
father or daddy, as Elder Holland says. Why have you forsaken me? Elder Holland made this comment. On some days, we will have cause to remember the unkind treatment he received, and you don't have this, sorry. He experienced in the injustice he endured. When we too then face some of those difficult times, we can remember that Jesus had to descend below all things. He suffered pains and afflictions of every kind that he might be filled with mercy and know how to succor his people in their infirmities. And you all know the word succor means to run to our aid, to relieve our pain. To those who stagger or stumble, he is there to strengthen. In the end, he is there to save us. And for all this, he gave his life. However dim our days may seem, they have been darker for the Savior of the world. In fact, in a resurrected, otherwise perfected body, our Lord has chosen to retain for the benefit of his disciples the wounds in his hands and in his feet and in his side. It is the wounded Christ who is the captain of our souls. He who yet bears the scars of sacrifice, the lesions of love and humility and forgiveness. Father, why have you forsaken me? We can't let the atonement pass without bringing our Father into the equation. And now you can look at your paper. At the bottom of that first sheet, Jesus is the Father's gift to all men. In offering his Son as he did, our Father in heaven has shown us our truest example of pure love. Out of his divine love came a willingness to endure the sacrifice of his Son, the incomparable suffering in Gethsemane, the abuse by the Romans and the Jews, the mocking of a trial, the pain and the horror of a crucifixion. And why? Because our Father in heaven loves you and us and knew that we could return to him only through the atonement of Jesus. And then finally he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. I speak of the Savior's solitary task of shouldering alone the burden of our salvation. I speak of those final moments for which Jesus must have been prepared intellectually and physically, but which he may not have fully anticipated emotionally and spiritually. That concluding descent into the paralyzing despair of divine withdrawal when he cries in ultimate loneliness, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Thus, of divine necessity, the supporting circle 
around Jesus gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Essentially, his lonely journey back to his father continued without comfort or companionship. It was required. Indeed, it was central to the significance of the atonement that this perfect son who had never spoken ill, nor done wrong, nor touched an unclean thing. He had to know how the rest of humankind would feel us, the rest of us. Then finally and mercifully, it was finished. Against all odds, and with none to help or uphold him, Jesus of Nazareth, the living Son of the living God, restored physical life where death had held sway and brought joyful spiritual redemption out of sin and hellish darkness and despair. One of the great consolations of this Easter season is that because Jesus walked such a long, lonely path utterly alone, we do not have to do so. As we approach this Holy Week, Passover Thursday, with its Paschal Lamb, Atoning Friday with its cross, Resurrection Sunday with its empty tomb. May we declare ourselves to be more fully disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, not in word only and not in the flush of comfortable times, but in deed and in courage and in faith. May we stand by Jesus Christ at all times and in all things and in all places that we may be in even until death. For surely that is how he stood by us when it was unto death and when he had to stand entirely and utterly alone. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen.
when our pain is so deep and real <clears throat> that we can't see or feel anything else, we need the witness of the saints about us. Saints who, on the basis of their own experience of life's pain, can assure us that though our pain is true, it is not the ultimate truth. In all our pain and beyond all our pain, always is the beauty, truth, and love of God in Jesus Christ, which never dies and which will never allow us to die. From Jeffrey J. Newland, Standing at the Grave. Four and a half years ago, I stood in the hospital at my daughter's bedside <clears throat> and watched my two-day-old granddaughter slowly suffocate and die in my daughter's arms from a condition called skeletal dysplasia. She has since lost two other babies to this condition. Three months after Caroline died, our oldest daughter, who was pregnant with her first child, was admitted to the hospital with severe preeclampsia and toxemia. Her baby came nine weeks early and spent his first five weeks in the NICU. He is now a very active, bright, intelligent, mischievous little four-year-old. Two months after Walter was born, our only son, who had suffered for years with severe clinical depression, took his life. I miss him more than words can say. And things have just continued to go downhill since then. One Sunday morning a few months ago, <clears throat> my husband and I put our arms around each other. And, I'm sorry, stood in our bedroom sobbing. We couldn't understand why for the last four and a half years we keep getting hammered with one hard, heartbreaking thing after another. There are mornings when I wake up like this, <laughs> waiting for the sky to fall. But the sky never falls, and it never will. Because I have a savior. Oh, I'm so sorry. Who came to earth and suffered in a way I don't think I will ever even begin to comprehend. And then he died for me, for my sins. I don't think my life is any more difficult or painful than anyone else's, certainly not any more so than any of you or your lives. And I don't in any way feel self-pity, but perhaps in sharing this tiny portion of my life with you, you will know why I believe so deeply and firmly in the atonement of Jesus Christ. God doesn't give us more trouble than we can bear, but sometimes life does. And it is during those times that I feel the power of the atonement kick in. It makes my challenges, trials, burdens, whatever you wish to call them, bearable, endurable. Those things have actually made me stronger with the atonement. Each trial prepares me for the next one, and believe me, they just keep coming. The atonement gives me hope and assures me that I will see my son again 
and get to know my granddaughter. It gives me hope that as I struggle through this life in my imperfections, with my sins, and of which there are many, and I constantly try to repent, eventually I can be made whole, clean, and pure through the blood of that perfect Lamb of God. Sometimes I feel as if my heart will explode. It is so full of love and gratitude for my Savior, for what he has done and continues to do for me. And I feel as if I can put my arm out and touch him standing next to me. I stand as a witness and I testify that God lives. Jesus Christ is his only begotten, dearly beloved son. He is my redeemer, your redeemer, the redeemer, the savior of the world. I cannot praise, adore, and thank him enough for his love and sacrifice for me in the sacred name of our Lord and Master, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This is the Christ. He is risen. And the invitation is clear, sisters, come and see, because he is risen. I testify that he is utterly incomparable in what he is, what he knows, what he has accomplished, and what he has experienced, and movingly, he calls us his friends. We can trust, worship, and even adore him without any reservation. As the only perfect person to sojourn on this planet, there is none like him. He who sets us free from our last enemies, sin and death. Indeed, we cannot teach him anything, but we can listen to him. We can love him. We can honor him. We can worship him. We can keep his commandments and we can feast upon his scriptures. Yes, we who are so forgetful and even rebellious are never forgotten by him. We are his work and his glory. Therefore, in addition to my boundless admiration of his achievements and my adoration of Jesus for what he is as one of his special witnesses, this is Elder Maxwell. You don't have it. In the fullness of times, I attest to the fullness of his ministry. He lives today and soon all flesh shall see him together. All knees shall bow in his presence and all tongues will confess his name. And all will then acknowledge the completeness of his justice and mercy. The crowning event of the atonement is the resurrection of the Son of God. He is risen, sisters. Come and see.
Down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day, the soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see the man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding. From a beating, there were stripes upon his back, and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head, and he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Por la vía dolorosa, 
I don't know where any of you are going this spring break, but please don't let this week go by that you don't sit with your children and bear your witness and teach them about these things. The purifying power of Gethsemane, the cross that screams, we will never ever be alone. And he is risen. That is my testimony, that is my love to you. God be thanked for the matchless gift of his divine son. Say it with me. God be thanked for the matchless gift of his divine son. Say that in the name of Jesus Christ, our love. Amen.